0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work?
1: Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you all the latest news and information of special interest to new migrants settling in Dunedin. Welcome to Resettling in Aotearoa with Citizens Advice Bureau. Kia ora koutou, my mai to the Settlement with Citizens Advice Bureau Dunedin Programme, or ana Today we're speaking to Rula Talama, the Senior Advisor for Migrant and Refugee Education at the Ministry of Education. Tēnā kwa Rula.
0: Kia ora, Anna. Kia ora, everyone. Uh, Rola Talahma here, uh, happy to be with you. I'm from the Ministry of Education, um, have been working in the resettlement um, services for a few years and with the ministry for more than two and a half years, part of the ESOL Migrant Refugee and International Education Team. Um, Thank you for having me.
1: Kia ora. Um, So I thought we'd just start with some general information on the preschool and school system, because obviously for migrants with children, finding a good school and getting them settled in will be a a priority when they come here. Um, So how would you generally describe New Zealand schools?
0: Right. Um, I would say first that a lot of migrants uh, probably will choose um, a New Zealand because of its reputation of a world class education system. Uh, what we need to know about it is that our education system reflects our unique and diverse society. We welcome different abilities, religious beliefs, ethnic groups, income levels and ideas about teaching and learning. And we have processes in place to give our students consistent and high quality education at all levels. Um, We can say comfortably that it, it is in the world's top 20 nations for the quality of our education, and especially with the OECD countries. It is world-class, modern open spaces, and there are individual learning plans for children offering them support in order to uh, achieve their potential. Um, It depends also on hands on experience. So it is skilled based um, and uh, those achievements are valued and responsive to the uh, market uh, trends as well. We have the New Zealand uh, curriculum, which identifies five key competencies, which are the capabilities people have and need to develop in order to live and learn today and in the future. I would like to talk about these five competencies for the families to understand and know in this uh, introductory question, because um, they might be different from other competencies in the home country. Uh, These are thinking relating to others, using language, symbols, and texts, managing self and participating and contributing. Um, Of course, there is an overriding goal uh, in our system uh, to create confident, connected, actively involved, lifelong learners equipped for that uh, knowledge age. Um, Also, uh, important to mention and i'll revisit that again uh, hopefully later that our national education and learning priorities 2020 aim for having schools and learning spaces as free of discrimination and racism um, so education that is centered around the child's needs and their family and we'll revisit that hopefully later on yeah in yeah. their
1: culture yeah yes um so in New Zealand the, the early childhood education um, ECE refers to the range of facilities available for children under five, although legally they don't have to start primary school till their sixth birthday. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Te Whariki, the, the early childhood education curriculum?
0: Correct, yeah. Um, this is close to my heart. Uh, the Sorry. name Te Whariki is a very appropriate concept uh, for this learning stage. It means a woven mat. Uh, Tifariki interprets curriculum broadly and includes all the experiences, activities and events that happen during early learning. Uh, Also, Tifariki's principles, goals and learning outcomes prioritizes the child and emphasizes respectful, reciprocal and responsive uh, relationships. Um, Good to know that there are no tests or formal assessments at Early Learning Services. It's not compulsory. Um, But instead, uh, children's progress is recorded in profile books, which are made up uh, for their work and regularly summarizes about uh, each child uh, and what they have learned. This learning record is available to parents and children who take learning services and they move uh, on to school or uh, Tikura. Uh, now, I've said that it's not compulsory. However, we encourage families to enroll in, in early learning services. It does prepare the child for a long life learning journey and to transition to schools um, easily. We also have seen anecdotally that uh, from, uh, former refugees and migrant uh, children who attend early learning services transition really well and they are supported uh, through that um, phase and they are off to a very good start in schools. Yeah, Yeah,
1: um, and, and just want to add personally there that, you know, um, some of my Closest friends now are from from place centre, you know, from the one the, the preschool years because you spend so much. Well, I don't know. You have a lot more hands on involvement at that
0: age, I guess. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So it's really important. Yeah, absolutely, and it's also an introduction to um, uh, life in New Zealand. You get yeah. exposure to uh, your community, your neighborhood, yeah. your um, you know, uh, and you and you form friends friendships that you take o- with you to school. So it's part of a resettlement journey for um, children. Yeah,
1: and their parents for sure.
0: And their parents for sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
1: So um, here, uh, there's there's teacher led and there's parent led. Um, can you just sort of give us a little bit more about that? Because they're two quite different, uh, I guess, depending on what people want. But um, they're two quite different choices, depending on circumstances too, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's very important to talk about that. Often yeah. um, migrant families have very limited uh, options when it comes to uh learning before uh, school, uh, you know, early learning um, services in the home countries. And they are often uh, shocked by the multiple options that we have here in New Zealand. So that's for fact. Um, Yes. So the teacher led um, services, uh, 50 percent of the supervising adults must be qualified and registered as um, ECE teachers. Um, those who are teacher-led include uh, kindergartens, uh, education and care services. Also, there are home-based service, services, normally linked to uh, centers. And then tikora, which is the correspondence school um, playgrounds. The parent-led services, which is sometimes a new concept for a lot of families. Mm. Um, and those parents and family or caregivers educate and care for their children. I would like to speak to that in particular because this option can offer a cultural res- response to the children's needs. So in New Zealand, uh, these include licensed uh, play centers who have their own education and training programs and uh, Kohanga reo, and these centers catering for young children in a Maori medium. Uh, we have also play groups which may or may not be government certified. Um, for example we have the puna uh, kohanga Honga, which is maori focused play groups we have the pacific island focused uh, play groups and a lot of families from migrant background or minority ethnic do not know that there are opportunities for minority ethnic play groups so the ministry of education works with different ethnicities if they need Uh, support in certifying uh, a specific ethnic or linguistic uh, playgroup and being supported by the Ministry of Education on par or equally to other uh, playgroups like the Pacific Island focused ones. Mm. You just need to ask.
1: (laughs) Yeah so that I guess leads on to the next question about where where's the best option for them to get help when they're choosing and you know because like you say it can be so different from their own country where they've come from that where's the best place for them to to get help when they're deciding or guide them on how to choose a preschool?
0: Of course. I mean, um, there are resources there um, because there are multiple options for, uh, for families. So, for example, a helpful guide for the parents of preschool uh, aged children would be the Education Review Office, the ERO. And the ERO is not just for, um, you know, early learning centres, but it's a, it's a government Body responsible for overseeing the quality in early childhood centers, as well as primary and secondary schools. So licensed and certified uh, early learning services must meet minimum standards of education and care in order to operate. Um, That guide looks at, um, you know, what type of early childhood education services are available, how to um, choose one for your child that meets your need, what to look for in an early childhood education. Um, There are key questions to ask when you visit a service. So it's really, you know, a support manual for the parents and uh, how to help your child settle in a preschool and how early childhood education is regulated. Now, the, the ERO, the um, Education Review Office, uh, they also regularly have checks on early childhood education centers, and they also publish their reports online. So it's they are easily available online to have a read before you go and approach a center. Now. But- It's worth mentioning, sorry, from former refugee communities. um, They also receive support from resettlement agencies, for instance, like Red Cross and the Ministry of Education when enrolling at a preschool or a school. Uh, This, of course, will be linked to other um, factors, including proximity to the house, the hours offered and costs. So there's a lot of information there. Communities also tend to have a word of mouth. So they ask their friends um, whom they have relationship with and, and they trust uh, before they make the mind about where to take their child. Hmm. It's, it's
1: really important to visit, though, isn't it? Um, just because you get a sense of a feel for a place when you actually go and see it. So I guess the Red Cross hmm. supports that as well, maybe going to a visit with them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also because we do have in Indonesia, in particular, we do have bilingual workers in schools. So any learning early learning center can tap on that support in the, um, uh, you know, neighbor uh, primary school and ask for the bilingual worker to be uh, uh, available um, and present. Um, and parents are, you know. They, they are equipped. They will notice and they will have some cues about whether that service is appropriate for their child. For instance, I mean, if they have inclusive uh, circles, they uh, they offer a rich oral uh, environment for the child to pick up. Um, um, you know, they are quite welcoming. And that you know shows in the signs that they have in different languages, the flags but yes. also on the body language of yeah. how caring and compassionate they are with their children. And you just need a warm environment for them uh, to have the child and their family on board. Absolutely.
1: So do you want to talk a little bit about the costs or? It's sort uh, of a bit complicated, isn't yeah. it?
0: Um, there will be variations, but yeah. yeah, we can we can talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: because the the ones so the, 20, the sure. 23 hours is really for three four or five year olds but other like play centre I know that just because it's my what my where my kids were but they yeah. uh, you know you can go there right from the start even with a newborn um, and and be there with with your children or your older children and your baby if you want to you know um, and the fees yeah. the probably aren't as much although that 23 hours doesn't kick into your child's three.
0: Three, yes. And we understand that for a lot of minority um, ethnic communities, uh, they're either focused and they have a lot on their plate, especially in the you know first couple of years when they are settling in, whether they are former refugees trying to, um, you know, uh, settle in and heal and pick up uh, some English if needed and understand the system, or if they are even, you know, migrants. Um, who are, you know, off to uh, either study or work and they, you know, they're normally quite busy families. So. um, With that regard, the early learning services, um, yes, they may charge fees, but it's important to know that, you know, you can always check with the service about their fees and enrollment conditions, what parents need to know is that the New Zealand government subsidizes all children who attend early learning services for up to six hours a day, a total of 30 hours um, per week, per week uh, you know, up until children go to school or turn six. So with children aged three or four or five years old who are enrolled in an early learning service, they can receive a higher funding subsidy, which is called the 20 hours ECE. Uh, those 20 hours ECE, they enable services to provide early learning for up to, as I said, six hours a day and a maximum of 20 hours per week. It goes without saying, uh, without charging any additional um, uh, fees. Um, the parents will need to ask the early learning service if they offer those 20 hours. And then also for eligible um, parents. the work and income, New Zealand also has some uh, childcare subsidies. Just ask about that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. So after preschool, um, children are obviously in the school system, which is all children aged six to 16 in New Zealand, and they must be either attending school or be educated at home. But um, most children do start school when they turn five. Although, as I've said earlier, they don't have to until their sixth birthday, which is quite good to have that little bit of flexibility. Some kids just aren't really ready. But others are. Correct. Um, oh,
0: yeah, we, we. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh. schooling is is compulsory from the age of six to 16 years. I find that uh, that year between five and six provides a window for um, parents. As you said, some of them are not ready, but also uh, when it comes to migrant um, families, it gives a bit of time for them to sort out the right visa that child needs to be on in order to access education. They need to be eligible and on the right visa and often. Um, that year, um, you know, uh, is is a is a space for the families to sort out that. Um, yeah. yeah. As we, you know, you, you, you know, you know, by law, they uh, cannot leave school until they you know, they are, you know, after their 16th uh, birthday. Um, um, yeah. And then, uh, as you've mentioned earlier, that, you know, either in school or home educated. Yeah.
1: So there's there's 13 years in the school system um, and three stages, primary, intermediate or secondary, Um, although there's, you know, there's primary schools that do include the intermediate years seven and eight. So just want to talk a little bit about that.
0: yeah sure a lot of families will find that this uh, structure mirrors what they know in home countries but the uh, length of each period might be um different so i can give you an example like in um palestine we have um 12 uh, years primary is, is 6 intermediate it's is 3 and um secondary is another uh, three, So that's, you know, high school in New Zealand it's slightly different. And you will find that there are actually variations of how uh, many years uh, the school will cover. So we'll start with the primary and the intermediate uh, schools. Um, so schooling will begin at primary. Um, children can attend either a contributing primary school or a full primary school. Uh, contributing primary schools are more common. Uh, than those who are full primary. The contributing primary go from year one to year six, and then the full primary go from year one to year eight. So um, we can give a couple of examples here in Dunedin. Uh, full primary schools are like um, Carisbrook School, uh, Brockville School, for instance. Uh, the contributing primary schools are the many you know, other schools, Maori Hill, um, Musclebra, and so on and so forth, for example. Uh, now, if your child is attending a contributing primary school, Then the next stage for them will be an intermediate school so they can complete year seven and eight of uh, school or they can go to a school that goes from year seven to 13. So that's also not not as common. Yeah. So, for example, Kakeri Valley College goes from year seven to 13. It incorporates intermediate and um, secondary school.
1: Kavanaugh
0: and Kavanaugh as another example. And there are other examples. Um, secondary schools—they, uh, uh, you know, after your child has finished or completed the full primary or the intermediate uh, school, they must be enrolled with a secondary school to complete their final school years. So they they go from year nine to uh, year thirteen. Um, uh, also, the secondary schools are often called a college or a high school. So mm-hmm. these are the two names that you could, um, yeah, face.
1: Yeah. And so how do parents go about enrolling their child in a school and talk a little bit about the zoning here as well?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, in New Zealand, most schools are uh, grouped into areas uh, known as um, uh, zones. So, so the, the, the and this is a policy that the ministry has in order to prevent overcrowdedness. So when, uh, you know, a school is... Um, having a a high uh, role, they opt to have an enrollment zone. Those families who live within that zone have the priority to enroll. If you are outside of the zone, you can um, apply, but you will not be given a priority uh, compared to those who are inside the zone. What you need to do is that you will check which schools are available at the primary, intermediate, or secondary um, stage. And there is a tool, there's a web page called Education Counts. So if you go to educationcounts.govt.nz, you put in your address. you come up with a number of schools within a radius that you can enroll in at any of those stages. And then to enroll your child with a a specific school that you are eligible to go to, you need to contact that school, find out their enrollment process, and fill in the enrollment um, forms. Um, Prior to having the restrictions because of COVID, schools would offer an orientation um, session. So to welcome you and your child and tour uh, you inside the school to see the different facilities. And even if you are undecisive at that stage, you can still use that to make up your decision whether you want to enroll in that school or not.
1: Okay, and um, what about domestic or international students?
0: Right, this is a very, very important topic, um, especially for uh, migrant students. Uh, Former refugees have a permanent residency visa so they are domestic students but i will look i, I will uh, show here who is identified as a domestic um student so um new, new zealand citizens including tokelauans cook islanders and niuans they are Uh, you know, uh, domestic students, New Zealand residents uh, or permanent residency visa holders also can access um, schools uh, as domestic uh, students, which means that they are also eligible for the funding from the Ministry of Education in those schools. Um, There are also other student visa holders based on a temporary work visa or maybe a uh, Post grad um, uh, student uh, visa. Depending on that visa, the child will have um, the eligibility to enroll and access um, school for the duration of their visa or for the duration of their um, parent or guardian uh, visa. Now, uh, a word of advice here for families is that, you know, make sure that your child has a valid visa to be. First, lawfully and legally here in New Zealand, and also to be able to access education um, under those visa conditions. Um, Schools will ask for a proof or evidence of your child's visa status, and they need to um, keep that uh, updated on their files. So you may ask towards the expiry date of your visa to provide a new visa, to show that the child is eligible to continue accessing school. Um, for students who are not eligible to enrol as domestic students, they may be able to enrol as international students. So, if your child is not covered by what we have discussed, those eligibility criteria, then uh, check and see what uh, type of visa they they need. I can get a, give an example. If you arrived in the country here with a a child who is on a visitor visa, they can access early learning uh, education um, under a visitor visa. However, in order to go to school, they need to have a student visa. So before they turn five, you need to approach Immigration New Zealand and put new application for a student visa in order to go to school.
1: Okay, thanks, Arula. We've um, run out of of time for today. We've still got a lot more to talk about. So what we'll do is, um, if everyone can tune in again next month, to carry on with this really important discussion about the education system in New Zealand. So thank you, um, Jeff and ORFM, for hosting us today. Kia ora for listening in, everyone. Namihirula for joining us. Citizens Advice Bureau is always available on 471-6166. If you have any questions about the information we've discussed today and also um, there's information on our website, www.cab.org.nz. Um, as Rule has mentioned, the Ministry of Education website, which is www.moe.govt.nz. is that right? Education
0: education.govt.nz. Oh, sorry, education, yeah. And uh and
1: the Aero the ERO website, is that separate? That's
0: that will be a separate website It will be also ero.govt.nz. Yeah.
1: So it will have lots of information about what we've talked about today as well. Um so yeah, this um Tune in again in April, um, and we'll be back.
0: Thank you for having me, and I look forward to catching up with you, Anna, again. Cheers. Cheers.